At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. What the hell's going on with Wilson Contreras and the St. Louis Cardinals? We're, we're going to try and answer that question. I'm not sure if there is a concrete answer to it because I don't think anybody, Wilson Contreras, Ali Marmol, John Mozela, could tell you what the hell is going on. This is kind of the Cardinals episode. Jack Aram on the Just Baseball Show for Tuesday, May 9th. I mean, like, usually we start with non-baseball stuff, but my brain is just all over the place with this Wilson thing. I've been dragged left and right trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And I I guess I've got like a decent grasp on it. But then again, I don't know if anybody has a decent grasp on it. Yeah, it's funny. Like we, we normally we want to talk about like everything across the entire league. And we will. We're going to hit on some other points. But like I wanted to carve out a nice a nice set of time here to try to unpack what the hell is going on in St. Louis because there's so many so many things like it's not just the Wilson Contreras situation. Um, you know, the way that they've kind of talked about things, the way they've kind of uh, gone about it. If it was just the Wilson situation, I'd say something. But remember, we were talking about this with Tyler O'Neill before the Cardinals fully sucked. Right. We said 
hey, this is kind of weird. I, I don't like how they handle the Tyler O'Neill thing. And that wasn't like, oh, this team is doing terrible. Uh, you know, we're trying to figure out what's wrong. It was just that was a weird way to handle a, a veteran player who's, you know, played at a high level for many years. Um, and then now we see this situation. So I wanted to zoom out first and just talk about, hey, this seems very uncharacteristic from I know th- that the Cardinals are that old school franchise. And when you sign with the Cardinals or you're drafted by the Cardinals, similar to the Yankees, not as extreme, but similar to the Yankees, there's a standard that you adhere to and you accept that and you appreciate that because that's what comes with the territory of playing for one of baseball's most storied franchises that will almost always be in contention. That said, Aaron Boone's not out there hanging out his guys to dry. No. And, and, and honestly, the other way, uh, it, that's the one thing. And that's the reason why Aaron Boone, I think, still has a job is that the players love him uh, from everything that we understand. The players like to play for him. And if his, if his butt's on the hot seat, they're going to kick in the gear and play at a higher level. You remember Joe Girardi when he was on the hot seat? Like they kicked it into another level. And, and I think they bought him in a, a little bit more time or at least almost helped save his, save his job. I don't know if this Cardinals team's going to bat for Ali Marmol. And, you know, I don't know if uh, Wilson Contreras feels like he made the best decision free agency wise. Like, you you think he's thinking about that already now and saying, what did I do? And was I, this the right move? I'm not sure if that's what he's thinking about right now. I actually think that Wilson has been mature and a, uh-huh. and a bit more mature than I've expected him to be. By the way, just baseball show presented by BetMGM. Bet with the king of sportsbooks uh, and use the code just baseball in our show notes for a deposit match on BetMGM. Um, I wouldn't necessarily be hammering the Cardinals to win the division right now. And and Contreras, you know, going back to the maturity thing, like this was a guy that was immature in Chicago. And and we've talked about that before. And that was very well documented in Chicago. And what I brought up on yesterday's show with Peter was, you know, like there's a reason David Ross needed to be in Chicago to catch John Lester. Like there's a reason there was some pushback from some, from some starting pitchers in Chicago that didn't necessarily want Wilson Contreras as his battery mate. Feels like he doesn't have the feel for the game. That's been a thing in Chicago. That is public knowledge. So what do the Cardinals do? They handpick the heir to the Yadier Molina throne. And it's a guy that has always struggled with the one-on-one relationship with starting pitchers. Yeah. And now what are you pissed at Wilson Contreras about? <laughs> Struggling with the one-on-one relationship with starting pitchers. Yeah. So I, I take off my glasses and I rub my eyes and I'm like, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? Here? That's exactly what I said. And that's exactly why I wanted to talk about this is the Cardinal, John Mosellock, we we shower praise his way. And, and no, no executive is perfect. We talk about the trading Sandy and Zach Gallon. I, in hi, hindsight's twenty twenty. And Rosarena and Adolis. Yeah, yeah. But, but none of those guys look good at the time. Like that happens. You make mistakes. You don't know what you have in front of you. Every organization does that. Um, but it, it's funny. This is one where it's it's kind of indefensible because this is one where hindsight isn't really helpful. Like you knew it before. You you knew it. You knew how this was going to go in terms of it might be a little shaky catching wise. We like the signing, though. At least I did. Were you not pro Wilson Contreras to St. Louis overall? You know, I was thinking there were obviously some concerns defensively, and that's what we know about Wilson Contreras, right? He lacks some of the catching intangibles, but he has made up for that by being an 800 OPS guy over the course of his career and by being a freak athlete that can, Mm -hmm. like, backpick guys and has a crazy arm. He's one of the better athletic catchers in baseball, and catching is getting more athletic. So I I liked it from that standpoint. But 
I mean, I knew, you knew, I think every baseball fan knew that they weren't getting Yadier Molina. And based on what I've read from Katie Wu, who's kicking ass reporting yeah, on this crushing. along with Ken Rosenthal, um, like from what I'm gathering here from John Moselock and Ali Marmol, they were like kind of expecting a Yadi type preparation. Yeah, so, so this is the thing. The reason why I liked it, the reason why I liked this, this move for them was, okay, you're not, you're never, no matter who you look for on the free agent market, you're not going to find a, a Yadi or Molina mentally. You're not going to find a guy that handles a pitching staff, that built-in pitching coach on the field like Yadi or Molina. So what did they do on the other end? They went to the opposite end of the spectrum. Because remember what Yadi was at the end. He was just his brain. Like it was, it was literally just his brain in terms of what he could do. You know, physically, he wasn't even the, the best defensive catcher by the metrics anymore. Obviously, he brought so much value to the table with the way he handled the games. And obviously, he was one of the worst hitters in Major League Baseball. So I figured, all right, get one of the best hitting catchers and get one of the most athletic catchers and then hope that you can slowly, you know, over the course of a year or two, start to instill those mental sides, sides of things. Um, even get Yachty involved if you can and, and, and groom that guy because we saw from the beginning Wilson's like it's an honor to be the like heir apparent to Yachty and I think he was ready to take that on that doesn't mean that you just become the smartest catcher in maybe Major League Baseball history or at least in the modern era so that's where it's crazy to me and there was one specific quote that that blows my mind from from Mosellock which was you know this is from the athletic and Katie Wu and Ken Rosenthal what I don't want to have happen is finger point this is all Wilson's fault. It's not, Mosellock said. There are many parts of our team right now that are not performing to what we expected. I do think the nuances of the catching side, we haven't had to ha spend a, a lot of energy thinking about it because of what Yachty did for us. You know, <laughs> you know that saying, you sometimes feel like you had a coach on the field? That was Yachty. That's how we thought. Even though you might have a game plan, Yachty had the ability to allow that to evolve during the game, comma, real-time decision-making. Obviously, he wasn't going to do that. Not only would a decent, if they got Sean Murphy, I don't even think Sean Murphy's doing it to that degree. Like, what are you expecting? Obviously, Wilson Contreras struggles with the glove and at times and struggles, you know, handling pitching staffs. But I feel like to be two weeks in and be so caught off guard by the discrepancy between the Hall of Fame backstop, who is a Hall of Famer mostly because of his mind, and, and the polar opposite of a guy that has always kind of struggled with this thing, you know, specifically is just so nuts to me. Um, and, and I just don't really understand. Also, I have one more thought on it. I'm going to kick it to you because there's one most pressing thought about this that I think is really funny in terms of the scapegoating of Wilson Contreras. Uh, but I'll kick it to you because I just talked for like three minutes. No, I mean, just a quick follow up there. Like what what John Moselock is saying there is he is not expecting a, a stark drop off. Like he was just assuming that every catcher had Yadier Molina traits. You Correct. say that Yadier Molina is a Hall of Famer. Do you know what his career OPS is? God, it's be like seven, seven sixty, seven twenty six. He's a career ninety six OPS plus guy, and he's a Hall of Famer because he is the best defensive catcher we have arguably ever seen before. Yeah. So you're assuming that guys have Yadier Molina traits? Like, if that's not kicking a gift horse in the mouth and just expecting that everybody is going to be that, I don't know what is. Like, that is, again, really smart guy. We've we've credited John Moselock for being a really smart guy. That was a dumbass thing to say. A hundred percent. Like, uh, and, and we did wonder, like, how are you going to replace Yadi? You know, what is that going to look like? And I think now we're really understanding why they had no urgency to move Yadi off of home plate, even when he was 
a borderline corpse was because of what he was still bringing to the table. What stands out the most to me is what's the one thing that that the Cardinals haven't really done over the last couple of years? It, it, it's address the the pitching staff. And why do they feel like they could probably get away with it? Yadier Molina's prowess behind the dish, again, as that built-in pitching coach, allowed the Cardinals to almost mask a mediocre pitching staff. So now you have a catcher who maybe doesn't help, maybe even hurts a little bit, you know, your pitching staff. And all of a sudden, it's that much more obvious how mediocre or subpar even your pitching staff is. And that's the funniest part to me is like they're talking about, oh, well, you know, our guys aren't executing pitches. Well, maybe if you had better pitchers, they'd execute their pitches. Like, I, I understand that the catcher helps them do that. And if they had Yachty, the staff's probably doing better. But, again, you're surprised that you, your mediocre pitching staff is not executing pitches? Like, you're surprised by that? Like, that's what is also crazy to me. Like, yeah, I think Yadier Molina was extremely valuable in masking what was not great pitching overall. But now we're going to put that onus on Wilson Contreras when you're rolling out a starting five or, or, or a five-man rotation that everybody said at, at the beginning of the year. And that was even without Wayno. Yeah, you know, like I, I just I just don't understand it. Um, that was the other side of it when they're talking about like execution of pitches and putting that onus on Wilson. It's like good pitchers execute pitches, even if I'm back there. Um, you know, and if they're not as good, like it's it's okay. It's not going to kill you. The final thing I'm going to say is Wilson Contreras is not the reason why this team is 13 games under 500. No. Maybe the struggles are, are part of it, but hell man, there's a lot of other reasons. Uh, but yeah, like good pitchers will execute pitches more. It's just that simple. Yeah. So like I, I immediately pull up Martin Maldonado's spot track page. Cause I'm like, okay, they spent $87.5 million on the heir to the Yadi Armelina throne. If you wanted Yadi production from not Yadi, you just go trade for Martin Maldonado. And I, I don't think the Astros will ever trade that guy. For but that I reason. You, like there was a price tag that you could have put on Martin Maldonado where, yeah. you know, they're just like, yeah, all right. Yeah, we'll do that. Cool. Yeah, take that guy. Right. Like we'll take that guy. And I understand that Maldonado is like for like very sneakily untouchable, but he's an unrestricted free agent after this year. So I was thinking, all right, you know, that you buy out one year of Maldonado for, you know, a good prospect. They're willing to do that if they think that that is the recipe to success. It's not. That's the point. Wilson Contreras, by all the advanced metrics, is an average to slightly above average catcher defensively. He is an above average bat. We know that. He was a guy that like was paid what he was worth, relatively speaking to the market. He was paid like the best catcher on the market. And that's what he was. That's why he got close to $90 million. But if you wanted a defensive savvy guy, there were cheaper options here. I don't think the Cardinals knew what they were looking for on the catching market when they went and got Wilson Contreras. I think they just fell in love with the idea of going to get the best catcher on the market after they put out one of the best lineups in baseball last year. So I think they got too quickly enamored with an idea that they were not married to. And, and also, yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and another thing too, is like when, when your rival that who is also trying to shift into win now mode, right? This isn't a rebuilding Cubs team. This is a Cubs team that's trying to win in the next year or two that just paid for Dansby Swanson that signed Jamison Tyone that basically bought Cody Bellinger on like a one and done deal. If he plays well, if they're willing to say, hey, hey, Wilson, like 
you know, I think it's best you go elsewhere and roll with like Jan Gomes. Uh, you know, th- that probably tells you something uh, in terms of of their frustrations with what he was doing behind the dish. Again, I, I thought it was just more of a change of scenery thing. But again, if he excelled or if he was even okay behind the dish, they let their catcher with an 815 OPS walk who was homegrown and, and one of the last guys from the historic team. Like that, that, that should tell you something. Um, I wish I had it in front of me. I was kind of blanking on how to pull it up. Stats, like, could, could we get like ERA by catcher? Isn't there a place where you can normally, I, I don't know why I'm blanking on where I normally dig that up, but I would love to see the ERA of the this staff by catcher. Because if you look, I wonder how egregious it is. Obviously the Cardinals are a very forward thinking organization, know what they're doing. And um, yeah, I'm sure they've looked at the numbers and seen something somewhat alarming. Uh, but at, with that same notion, like, is it Wilson Contreras's fault that Jack Flaherty has walked 22 and 34 innings? Is it Wilson Contreras' fault that Steven Matz has a 5-7 ERA and has given up seven home runs? Three pitchers on this staff have given up seven home runs through their first seven starts. Miles Michaelis, Steven Matz, and Jake Woodford. Guess what? I mean, I know Michaelis was good last year, so maybe you can you can put Michaelis in, in a separate bucket here. Matz was terrible last year. Jake Woodford is Jake Woodford. Like Again, like I, I don't really know what they were expecting here. To me, it's it's pretty insane. And now they take a step back in the lineup because of this move, because they want to send a message to Wilson Contreras, who didn't even need a message sent to him. Um, the word that jumped out to me in, in the athletic reports was preparation. Um, I think that Ali Marmol used the word preparation and how it looks different than Yadis. I think John Moselak used the word preparation and how it looks different than Yadis. No catcher is going to prepare like Yadier Molina. I have heard, though, in Chicago that, like, Wilson Contreras lacked some preparation skills. So, I mean, like, that's a thing that, again, you should know. But the throwing what? <laughs> I got I got um, Steven Matz's numbers by catcher. Oh, okay. What's going on here? Um, so, Andrew, I always blank on this, too. Andrew Kisner. Kisner that's so fake. Uh, yeah. Andrew, just ignore the end, I guess. Uh, a- Andrew Kisner. Right. ERA. So three starts with Andrew Kisner for Steven Matz. Three, nine, four ERA. Opponents are hitting 226. Wilson Contreras, four starts, 7.08 ERA. Opponents are hitting 345. Okay. So say that, you know, Kisner is the answer defensively. It's the answer for Steven Matz. And Matz is going to be better when he throws to Kisner. And Kisner is going to be the primary catcher now. What you are doing is creating, and I love the word that they used here, log jam. I used traffic yesterday, but it's a total log jam here. Because Wilson, he, the initial report was that he was going to play the outfield. Then you're taking it bats away from one of these talented outfielders. Now he's going to DH, which in turn forces a hot bat in Nolan Gorman to the infield, which in turn takes it bats away from Brendan Donovan, Tommy Edmond, or Paul DeYoung, who's swinging a great bat right now. So you are creating more traffic in a spot that is really good for you in the lineup to have Andrew Kisner or Trace Barrera in the lineup. It's, it's backwards. It's, you're like you're taking a, a step backwards right now. It's a mess. And here's the, the other thing too, that's interesting. And this is the most important thing. Cause like they might be very, it might be very valid that Wilson Contreras is like, you know, leaving something to be desired defensively. And the thing is again, similar to the Jordan Walker situation, if they were not sucking, they would be able to push through it 
and and let him catch. What, what's surprising to me though is oh, every single team, you know, that I think was in on Wilson Contreras, they had the discussion of is it worth giving up the defensive side for what you're going to get on the offensive side, and do we think he can improve defensively in a new environment? So that's the other thing is like. <laughs> I'm just surprised that they're willing to do it this quickly and, 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 you know, not give him more of a chance. I got another one for you though, man. I got it. So there, the there's, there's numbers to back it up on this. Miles Michaelis. Uh, it might be worse in this situation. Andrew Kisner, two starts with, with Kisner, three, six, five ERA opponents at two sixty five. Um, So that's 13 hits and a total of five earned runs. Wilson Contreras. Five games, 25 innings, 684 ERA. Opponents have 40 hits. They're hitting 364 with a 1,000 OPS. That's wild. And like, okay, I, I immediately thought of all right, it's game calling. I assume that it's game calling, right? I, I, I guess. Like, it's got to be the, the and, and you know what sucks for Contreras too, I think a little bit is that, and I think it might have been hit on in the piece. There's so much more pressure now to be on it because you can't get the sign from, you know, you, you could have pitches being called from the dugout, even if you want. Now it's really tough with, with the pitch clock. Everything is so go, 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 go. So if you were already kind of struggling with the cerebral side of catching, now it's even more kind of exacerbated because yeah. it's go, 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 go. So the best catchers defensively, Yadi would be thriving in this, um, but it does kind of throw him to the fire. But again, did the Cardinals not think about that? Did they not think, oh, this is a guy that struggles with pitch calling and now he's going to be thrown into like a go, go, go environment. And also our pitching staff isn't that good. And it's going to be a, a taller task for him. Um, I, I think that one's kind of interesting too. I'm going to pull up one more as you speak. It's Jamont because Jamont's been good, period. I want to yeah. see how Jam because this would be this would be the one example of, hey, well, this is actually a proven, consistently good pitcher. Like he throws fine with Wilson. Let's see. Yeah, so what I was going to say is, all right, now may I counter with the pitch comm thing? I know that there are pitchers that call their own pitches right now. You see the pitch comm device on their glove or on their belt yeah. or Otani, he puts it under his jersey. Why don't you have the pitchers call their own pitches? Like, doesn't that seem like a simple workaround? Maybe not every pitcher wants to do that. You yeah, know, but... I mean, if, if shit's hitting the fan like this, I think a pitcher needs to be a team guy and instead say, of, you know what? Yeah, I'll call my own game. Instead of log jamming the lineup, last one for you too, Jamont, uh, 28 in the thirds innings with with Contreras, a 3 8 1 ERA. Okay. Kind of close to his career average opponents at 261. Uh, with, with Kisner, two starts, 12 and two thirds innings, a 2 1 3 ERA. Damn it. <laughs> <I'm> proving our points. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the numbers are bad. Yeah. The numbers are bad, but it's still like, I think it still kind of highlights exactly what we were talking about, which was what did they expect? Like there was going to be some growing pains there because also they're learning to work with the new catcher. They've worked with Kisner before. Yeah, This isn't their first time working with Kisner. Like that, that's another side of it too. These are some of these, these are these guys first starts with Wilson Contreras. There's typically growing pains, whether Contreras is great or mediocre or subpar. So yeah. again, like what, why wouldn't we try to work through this and then, you know, get to a point where it's working. The only reason is because this team's panicking and that's what it really boils down to. 
Because if they had the, the the big picture in mind here, it's let's get Wilson right. Because for this team to win the World Series, Wilson needs to be behind behind the dish. Yeah. Because our best lineup, we've got a log jam, like you said. Our best lineup is with Wilson behind the dish. Um, so that is again an example of this team is slamming the panic button right now because they're saying if we have Wilson behind the dish and these pitchers struggle a few more times through the rotation, our season might be gone from us. Just gone. And yeah. and that's a crazy, crazy thing to say. I, I think also clubhouse wise, I, I wonder how much longer Ali Marmol is going to be hanging around here. Lost, lost. There are four examples here of cardinal dysfunction in the first two months of the season. Hey, hey man, in the first six weeks of the season. Um, first example. Jordan Walker makes the opening day roster, as does Taylor Motter. Juan Yepes gets option to Memphis. That made no sense at all. Like Motter on that roster, when you have an infielder surplus and you're optioning Yepes, who is a great bat against lefties, why? Um, that's example one. Example two was the Tyler O'Neill Ali Marmol thing, which we documented. Mm-hmm. Marmol, you know, took exception to a guy that built his career on hustling, not hustling, whatever. Like, and he instead of like I can see where Ali's coming from, but instead of addressing it with Tyler O'Neill like an adult, he goes to the media and says this and doesn't confront O'Neill, and O'Neill takes exception to that. That's example two. Example three was the weird transaction chart that we saw, right? Um, Paul DeYoung activated, Taylor Motter DFA'd, Motter signed to a major league deal, Jordan Walker option the next day. Example three. Example four is this <laughs> with Barrera coming up and Motter being DFA'd. Like it's it's such a weird thing going on with Ali Marmol, with John Mozeliak. It feels like they have no idea how to operate in crunch time because frankly, they haven't been in crunch time. Did I see this note correctly that the Cardinals were never this far below 500 when Yadier Molina was the catcher for them? I think at any point in their career, at any point in Yadier's career. That's pretty wild. Wild. I don't know if Nolan Arenado has ever had a 608 OPS through his first 34 games of the season either, though. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I, I don't know about that. Um, you know, so I, it does kind of go in a lot of different directions there. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a fascinating situation here in St. Louis. It's going to be fun to continue to monitor. Yeah. So now I ask you next steps, like at what point do the Cardinals think about not, not blowing it up, but at one point do the Cardinals think about making moves to improve, you know, areas that they have shortcomings? I think now, is it uh, now or the deadline? I think between, I think June. So I think by the end of this month, we've seen teams that, you know, when they get off to a bad start, they you got to make the decision, do we fire this 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 manager? And I think that's step one. Um, and I think if they continue to struggle with this catching change, because that's, you know, another experiment here, and they still struggle, I think you got to consider firing Marmol. I don't know what's going on behind closed doors. It seems like from what we've seen publicly, like, O'Neill wasn't happy and that can't be the only guy. And I think O'Neill is a pretty important guy, you know, clubhouse wise to that team. So I assume that he wasn't the only one that took exception to the way that that was handled by Ali Marmol. And I assume several of the teammates probably aren't thrilled with the way that the Contreras situation has been handled. So, um, yeah, I'm interested to see what they do, but I think, you know, you might have to consider shaking it up manager wise. Um, That sometimes is the best thing that teams can do. Um, We saw, Teams off slow starts. You look at the Marlins way back in 03. They fired their manager and caught fire. Did the Nationals fire their manager in, in 2019? 
Uh, no, didn't they give Davey Martinez a vote of confidence? Oh, oh, no, that was Martinez. Yeah, that they gave him the vote of confidence. Are there any other examples of like early struggles? Fire your manager, lights a fire on ice, get going. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Rob Thompson last year was that last year or the year before in Philly? Oh, Philly. That was last year. That was last year when yeah, yeah Rob when Thompson there you go. fired Rob Thompson. Boom, you get going. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with the Montoyo John Schneider thing in Toronto. Yeah. yeah. So I can't believe how long Dave Martinez has been in, in Washington. It's crazy, man. And they got it's rid of fantastic Dustin. human being, by the way, Davey Martinez. I, I've only interacted with him a couple of times in the clubhouse, but man, I mean, like after that Strasburg start that I covered, yeah. it was just like that team sucked so bad. And like, he's and just, like, that's the low point of your season. You, your $300 million man comes out, comes back and just severely, severely yeah. underwhelmed. And, you know, just I, the way he was interacting there, but he was, he, he, I just love the way he goes about his, his business. Cause like, that's probably the low point of, of his career. Yeah. Martinez. I mean, I don't think it's been worse than what it was last year. Like even this year is already way better. Um, yeah. There's a reason why they've kept him around. And I think the team loves him, but yeah, I think the, the, the Thompson situation with, with Girardi, I think is probably the best, the best example in this case. Yeah. So you, I guess you're hoping to replicate that, that Joe Girardi to Rob Thompson magic that Philly had last year. And you know, that decision, and you got to look at that. You got to look at that. That decision's got to come pretty soon. Um, all right, moving on. I've got two more quick things that I want to hit on here. Vaughn Grissom getting optioned because Orlando Arcia is back for Atlanta. And then Eloy's appendectomy. I like obviously sucks that Eloy had appendicitis, but um, this is him going on the shelf again. And this is the White Sox fragility continuing. Let's start with the Grissom Arcia thing. Orlando Arcia is back. Orlando Arcia is the shortstop for your 2023 Atlanta Braves, who are one of the best teams in baseball, who just took two or three from Baltimore. Um, and Grissom is back to Gwinnett. So I guess the way that I want to pose this is how do you think Atlanta views Vaughn Grissom now? So we talked about it a little bit before we recorded. I, I think Vaughn Grissom is still a big part of their long-term plans. I still think he's a big part of their future. That said, things can change when somebody is made available um, or, you know, there's, there's an opportunity to make your team better. I don't think you let Von Grissom stop you from doing that. If it's a significant upgrade, let's say there's a world where Arcia struggles or gets hurt again. And, you know, you either have to throw Von Grissom or Braden Shoemaker in there or do something else. And Tim Anderson's available. You're not letting Von Grissom, this is your hypothetically, you're not letting Von Grissom stop you from getting Tim Anderson. Um, but are you going to trade Von Grissom for a great high leverage reliever? No, I don't think so. Like, I think the only way is if he is one of the key pieces in, in, a, in a trade for a very, very good player. Because I, I think what's happened with Von Grissom, it, it's one of those situations where I think we get away from what the guy's actual path has been, which yeah. has been one that, he is so talented. He forced his way up to the big leagues when they needed somebody, but that doesn't mean that he was necessarily ready. He helped them last year through 41 games because they needed somebody to come up there. And he Hit was a hot hand. Running. And he was a hot hand. Exactly. This dude, we, we were talking about, you know, the big jump for, for Michael Harris. It was an even bigger jump for, for Von Grissom, who, you know, played less games at the double A level, pretty much made the jump from high A for the most part. And went up to the big leagues and was that hot hand, like you said, then hit a wall towards the back end. This dude is not totally figured out as a hit. Like, I don't think he's totally figured himself out as a hitter because he's only had so many professional at bats. He was drafted out of high school, 
played rookie ball for 44 games in 2019 as an 18-year-old, had the COVID year in 2020, then 2021 plays 87 games between low A and high A, puts up great numbers. Then 2022 is last year. <laughs> this guy has barely played professional baseball. He is so talented that he has been able to tread water and contribute at the big league level, but he wasn't talented enough to jump from high A, essentially, learn shortstop, and also hit. I thought he might be that good. I watched the video. I thought that he could, you know, maybe learn the position through the tutelage of, of Ron Washington. But here's what ended up happening. The veteran Orsia, who's still 28, though, so still relatively young, was able to use the Ron Washington direction and, and apply it to games a little bit quicker. A guy that's had a lot of big league success under his belt. Grissom's been great in AAA. It's in 400 through 11 games. Like, he, I think he's going to be just fine, but this guy still needs to kind of get acclimated to all parts of his game. He's never played more than, you know, I think he's played a total of 200 professional baseball games, maybe a little bit more. Like that is nothing out of high school. That's the thing to, to play a major league caliber shortstop. You got to learn how to play shortstop. And again, Vaughn Grissom, like he doesn't really know how to play a professional shortstop at this point. He's learning. And like, he seems like a quick learner He's 22. He might be ready when he's 23, but they have a 28 year old that was at one point a top prospect and, you know, was like a great young talent for the Brewers in Orlando Arcia. The game works slower for him. So like he doesn't have much to figure out offensively. Orlando Arcia doesn't have to adjust to big league pitching. He's seen big league pitching for six years at this point. So all his focus is on right now is getting great at shortstop with Ron Washington. Yep. Grissom, it's okay. I got to a lot two hours to get great at shortstop with Ron Washington. This is a brand new frontier for me. And also I got to learn how to hit, you know, whoever Sandy tonight, I got to learn upper how to hit level pitching. How about just upper level pitching? Exactly. Like right now he's in triple a, he's never played a triple. He's never played a triple a before. So yeah. like, I know he played 41 big league games last year, but like this guy never played in triple. So yeah, like Arcia, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like that's a guy that is just making sure that he can play shortstop. He's got enough confidence that he can at least be a, a 700 OPS guy. Uh, and, and he's been better than that. Um, and, and just hold it down at short because he really improved himself defensively. But Grissom's, that's a lot to ask of a kid <laughs> that has barely played professional baseball. So, yeah, I, I think RC is the guy. And um, I don't know if they need to make a move. If RC is, if RC is a 730, 740 OPS guy and plays the defense, like he looks great out there he looks like a different dude yeah do you go get another shortstop like this so, is a wagon otherwise mike harris is back raking like they look they look good yeah you know my thing on twitter is satire so i, I went to the mlb trade machine and i put out uh grissom schuster and dylan dodd for tim anderson uh and like the, the trade values are very fun like they line up pretty well it went through um i don't I don't think that Atlanta would do that. Um, But if they are looking at a crumbling White Sox at the deadline and they say, hey, you know what, shit, Tim Anderson's available and he's got a year of control after this. He's got a team option and that still puts him under $10 million, I think. Like, do you part with Vaughn Grissom to go get Tim Anderson? If that was there, I think it depends on how RC is playing, right? Like if RC has got a... Are you gonna let are you gonna let a 720 OPS in good defense Orlando Arcia stop you from going to get Tim Anderson? I'm winning baseball games, absolutely. Okay. 
Because it's not just like stopping you from getting Tim Anderson, stopping you from parting with a really good young talent. Like even if it's not in the cards for Grissom at at, at short, okay, the guy might be able to play left. Like he, right. he can play left, and and that bat's good. I that's one of those like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If 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 they're playing at a high level and RC is playing great defense, I'm I'm not changing anything. But you know if they're you know neck and neck with the Mets somehow, or, you know, not separating themselves. And Arcia is, you know, underwhelming a bit. Absolutely. I'll trade Von Grissom for Tim Anderson in two seconds. So how about this? Um, Cardinals, seasons a wash. Tyler O'Neill for Von Grissom straight up. He solves your left field problem. Dude, Tyler O'Neill hasn't been good. Yeah. And he's hurt again. Hasn't been good and he's hurt again. I, what do the Cardinals do with Tyler O'Neill? That's, I don't that's know. the question. I don't know. That's a crazy one. I, I don't think Tyler O'Neill's a Cardinal by the end of the season. No, I don't think so either. I think they're going to cash him in. Um, And I think they need to shake things up. And, and I love Tyler O'Neill. I think he's a big part of the, of their success. But if he's if he's not playing well, and um, obviously, I don't – I assume they, they're pros. They bury the hatchet. But, like – and you think he, you think he and Ali Marmol get get drinks after the games and or you know hang out, invite each other to dinner? What do you think Tyler O'Neill drinks? I think he drinks that Bud Light next thing. That's like he might not drink beer or something. He might not drink. Period. You don't even think like a Michelob Ultra. Like I maybe can see a Michelob doing Ultra. Like, I do one shot of a of a clear liquor and that's yeah it. tequila. Yeah, just do tequila soda and I hydrate between. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. My body's a temple. Yeah. Well. I, it's not working right now. Like, the yeah. Poor dude can't stay healthy. Unfortunately, I. But again, that guy is so like fine muscle movement. Like Tyler O'Neill is a sports car. Like he treats his body like it's you know a Ferrari. And Ferrari, like I don't know how reliable the cars those are. They look cool and they go really fast. But I feel like when they got it, when you got to take them in for service, like there are ten things wrong. Yeah, and Ferraris don't have necks either. Oh yeah, <laughs> good point. Um, I, I can't. This picture always like I just always look at him. It's like his head is just attached to his shoulders. Yeah, that's Trapezoris Rex right there. Yeah. All right. Um, last thing from me, Eloy Jimenez has an appendectomy. Um, you know he was he was in the hospital with um, you know, a- abdominal pain, and you know obviously you, you hope for the best. Like appendicitis, you know, glad he got that taken care of shortly. But this is Eloy Jimenez hitting the IL again, and this is. Since the start of 2020, per NBC Sports Chicago and the King, Chris Kampka, Yoan Moncada has played 74% of the possible games. Yasmani Grandal, 64%. Tim Anderson, 64%. Luis Roberts, 61%. Eloy Jimenez, 52%. That means that the five of Moncada, Grandal, Anderson, Robert, Jimenez, your big five, have combined to play 11%. They've been in the lineup for 11% of the 418 possible games since the start of 2020. That's unbelievable. This feels like the Brooklyn Nets, man. <laughs> Except less talented. Less talented. This is like the poor man's Brooklyn Nets from this past oh couple of years. Gosh. That is crazy. So by the time he's done with this appendectomy, like it's he's out, what, three to four weeks? I saw four to six. Four to six. So by the time he's done with this, he'll be under half, probably under 50% of the games. Yep. That is gross. He's so good when he's on the field too, man. He's a great power. What do back. they do? 
What do you, I mean, you can't trade him. No one wants, no one's you can't trade him. him. I don't think you can trade Luis Robert at this point. No, like, not too many years of control. You gotta, you gotta ride that one out. You gotta ride that one out. You Moncada's too expensive. Grandal is making 18 this year, like not moving him. Giolito. Giolito is like damage goods at this point. You'll get him. You'll get a mid-level prospect for a rental Giolito. You'll get, and we talked about it. You got to trade Cease. You got to trade Cease. And like Anderson, he's got a year and a half of control, but TA is the face of the franchise. Like I would extend Tim Anderson if I was the White Sox. No. And we'll see. We'll see. They're going to have to make some decisions. Andrew Benatendi locked up for the foreseeable future, which is really exciting. I hope. Question for you. Also, have we talked about Cody Bellinger? Uh, not really. We can talk about Bellinger. If you I want to just I like dude, like this is so cool. <laughs> yeah, like this is awesome. I, and, and like even if it even if he falls off a cliff, which I don't think he will. Yeah. Like if he's a 100 WRC plus guy the rest of the year, this season would already be a victory because what he's done for the first 31 games would put him at you know probably he'd finish with like a 108 WRC plus with good defense. Like that's all we wanted, <laughs> and now he's been way better than that. Cody Bellinger. Of the Chicago Cubs is slashing 300, 368, 567 with seven home runs, nine stolen bases. He's tied with James Outman, Xander Bogarts, Marcus Semien, and Brandon Nimmo for eighth in F4. Um, and it's early, like ahead of them is Tyro Estrada and Jonah Hine. But the, the, the point being is, you know, we've seen this from Cody Bellinger before. We didn't think it would ever come back. I don't know if he's MVP Bellinger. I don't think anyone needs him to be. Yeah. But a lot of the underlying metrics look good, right? This isn't just like lightning in a bottle. This is a guy that looks like he might have found something here, which is awesome. Like You look at the whiff rates, down. Zone contact, slightly up. Chase rate, down. Um it just looks like this might be for real. And again, I think the offense is going to taper off a little bit. That's fine. We were just hoping he could even be a league average hitter. I think he'll be better than that. Um, this is so cool because Bellinger, by all accounts, is an awesome dude. Uh, baseball is better when Bellinger's good, and it seems like he's good. So uh, he might make himself a bag after this year. College football is better when Texas, USC, and Miami are good. And baseball is better when when Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich are good. Like, And luckily, we have one of them coming back. Um, I hope he gets the bag. Bellinger, what, what's notable to me is this guy looked lost at points. And the, the mid-20s K rate in 2021 and 2022 felt like 40% some days. It felt yeah, like he was swinging under everything. But now... This guy's putting up a sub 20% K rate in a, in a full season for the first time since his MVP year in 2019. So Bellinger is, I, I guess, a bit more disciplined. He's not walking as much as he did when he was like prime Bellinger. But you also got to look at like what he's done across full seasons in his career. He's not an eight win player like he was in his 2019 MVP season. But what he could be when he won, what did he win in our rookie of the year in 17? Do I have mm-hmm. that right? I think so. Yeah, Bellinger won rookie of the year in 17. He was a four-win player that year. I think he can be a four-win player. He played okay, so he was the rookie of the year as a 21-year-old with bad defense. Like they were trying to figure out whether he was playing a bad corner or first base. Now he's a great center fielder. And I think this guy might be better than his rookie of the year. That's that's exactly what I was gonna kind of kind of hit on here. It's like I I think the year to look at is is 2018, where he had 260. 
343, 470 with an uh, with an 814 OPS. I, I think Cody Bellinger can be that, but now he has made the rest of his game so much better. Yep. So he's going to demolish any stolen base mark he had in previous years. His career high was 15. He is nine. He's nine for 10 already this year. This yep. dude might go 30, 30. He's definitely going 20, 20, uh, which is, which is awesome. So you have a 2020 season and you have phenomenal defense. So that 2018 season, he only had a 3.4 F war because of the lack of defensive value there. Now, if he puts up a 120 WRC plus like he did in that 2018 season, steals more bags, hits around 25 home runs, and plays better defense, that's a five-win player. A five-win player in center field, like it's not the same frame in, in terms of type of player, but it's not that far off from the value of what the Mets get from Brandon Nimmo. Like that, that is pretty damn good. I think he, if he plays to that degree, like I think the ups and downs may, you know, hold back how much teams are willing to to give him. Yeah. But I mean, that's a hundred million dollar player. A five win center fielder is a hundred million dollar player. It a hundred percent is. Uh, I've got a great friend growing up who texts me every time Bellinger does something good, and he's like, "I'd bet my kidney on Cody Bellinger being an all star." I'm like, "Okay, that that's a crazy stark bet," but at this point, kind of looked like he's on that track. And, and the glove, man, the glove just it's been cool to see him turn into such a good defender out there uh, so far this season. He is two outs above average and center, but I think it's going to continue to climb up. And it's just cool to see him continue to compile, you know, just compile stolen bases and check all the boxes. I, I hope Cody Bellinger is an all star. That'd be freaking awesome. That'd be so cool, man. Like that, that announcement in Seattle would be crazy. So, mm-hmm. so. That's it from us. Cardinal dysfunction. Bellinger is back. Von Grissom is back in Gwinnett. And the White Sox can't stay healthy for the life of them. Um, all right. You two, Peter and Aram, will be back with an episode tomorrow. Every link is every link you need is in the show notes. Again, just baseball show presented by BetMGM. Use code just baseball for a deposit match and get your merch. We're both wearing our rope hat. The dad hat is also excellent. And the performance long sleeve is gas. So yes. Talk to you guys tomorrow. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.